You're listening to The Exchange, and here's your host, Dr. Lorraine. Welcome, everybody, to this new episode of The Exchange Podcast. Today, I have my guest, Micah and Pebble Wisdom, who are going to be talking to us today about cultivating healthy families in the church. Thank you so much for coming on and being our guest today. I just feel so honored that you would spend time and be on this episode with us. Well, thank you for asking us. We, uh, we're fans of yours, so we're happy to be here. Aww. And this, is, uh, this topic is near and dear to our hearts, so we love talking about it. Yes, and I love this, and I know that this is going to be such a blessing to all those that are listening and, and going to be an encouragement and also just giving some practical tips on on how we cultivate healthy families. So I wanted to start out first with you guys telling us about yourselves. So I'll start first with you, Brother Wisdom. Just go ahead and tell us just some of the things about you, where you're from, um, family ministry, any kind of unique things that you want to share with us. Yeah, so I was raised um, in a small town not far from here, about 500 people, so just a really small town, and uh, wasn't raised in church, had no religious background at all. And I was, um, I walked into an apostolic church when I was 19. I was a freshman in, in college. And before that, I'd probably count on, you know, one hand how many times I'd been inside any church. So very, very unchurched. Um, and so that background of the family dynamic that was modeled with me was, was very negative And it was just kind of a wild, wild west. So I knew a lot of what not to do and what was not good. Um, anyway, I went on to, um, I was already enrolled in Northeastern State University. I graduated with a, a bachelor's degree in management information systems, developed software for 22 years as a bivocational pastor. And then a couple of years ago, went full-time uh, with United Church. So that's kind of my life in a nutshell. All right, sister. Um, so, um, I grew up, um, in the same place. In fact, a fun fact, the church that we pastor is the only church I've ever gone to or that he's ever gone to, um, with the exception of the year I was at, uh, Indiana Bible college. Um, I did not grow up in a minister's home. Um, in fact, when we first started, uh, when he first got his license and we would go to different places and meet people, people would say, well, who's your family? And I would say, well, you don't know them, but this is who they are. Um, but I grew up in a home um, with parents who were the best saints that a pastor could ask for. Christian, godly people, very, very, um, you know, stable home life. Um, I went away to IBC for a year. Mike and I are actually high school sweethearts. Well, actually, we're elementary. Like we met on the first day of first grade, so we oh. we went to the same tiny little school our entire uh, school careers. And so I I had I was crushing on her like on on the first day, but it took her a little longer to come around. But of course, like he told you, he didn't go to church anywhere. Um, he did not have the Holy Ghost. And so when I came back from IBC. Um, and one of the reasons I went was because I knew I needed a space from him because I was starting to, you know, kind of really like him and I knew I shouldn't. So anyway, I went to IBC when I came home, he was still here. And um, so I taught him a Bible study and he came to church and he got the Holy Ghost and the rest is history. So we did date for four more years while we were in college. He told you he has a management information systems degree. I actually have an elementary education degree. I taught public school 
mm-hmm. um, for several years before I started having kids. And and so then I um, went on to get my minister's license about 10 years ago. And we've been pastoring. Um, he's been pastoring. I'm, I'm just helping uh, United Church for 18 years. Um, it's 19 years. 19 years in February, right? No, 19 okay. years last year. 19 years. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've been pastoring for 19 years and uh, the growth has been slow and steady, but God has blessed. And um, uh, Mike has said, we're passionate about this subject. I think one of the things that um, helps us as a ministry couple is our backgrounds are so different. And so he has a completely different way to think about family and a completely different perspective than I do. Um, so we come at it with with different um, backgrounds and different ideas. Uh, so I think that I think that has helped us uh, be effective um, in in raising a healthy church with healthy families. And, and a little bit about us. We've been married for 24 years. We have four kids. Our oldest is our son. He's a junior in college. Um at Northeastern State University. We have twin daughters that are freshmen. They're starting high school. They started high school last week. And then we have a, a baby daughter, which is in the seventh grade. So so we're not experts on this subject, but we are right in the middle of it. Um, right. we, I was going to say, you guys look so young when you said you guys have been pastoring for 19 years and been married for 24. I said, I know that's, that's really hard to believe. I know you have a freshman in college or a sophomore. He's a sophomore now, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. We are older he's, than we look. He's a junior. Yeah. He's a junior. Okay. He's a junior. Yeah. I would never guess it. So, yes. Well, you guys are looking good for all of those things that are going on. So, um, but I also wanted to mention that one of your daughters, and your name is Pebble, and your daughter is named Pebble. And yes. if I understand correctly, is it your mom? You have another person that's related that also has yes. the same name? Uh, yes. Um, everybody thinks we got our name from the Flintstones, but my grandmother is 95 and her name is Pebble. So we had it first. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother, my mom, myself, and my daughter are all named Pebble. So there are four of us right now. Wow. Well, that is really cool. That is a really mm-hmm. cool story. So then Pebble will hopefully, you think she is, she's thinking she's going to pass on. She has a daughter. She's going to name her daughter Pebble. I think so. We'll see, but I think she will. Okay, well, I think that those are some really cool stories. And so, you know, knowing that you guys come from kind of different backgrounds and able to kind of build your family and build a church family and kind of model it the way that you feel like, you know, that needs to kind of go. And so I kind of wanted to just kind of go into my next question. And I wanted to ask, you know, as pastors, and uh, what are some of the things that you believe are characteristics um, in healthy families in the church. So I know that you guys pastor, it's Wagner, Oklahoma, where you guys pastor. And so what are some of the characteristics that you believe in have camp, um, health families? Like you guys have mentioned that, you know, the growth has been steady, and but you guys have families in your church. What does that kind of look like for you guys? Well, I think first and foremost, what we've witnessed as far as the, the healthy families in our church is just involvement people that get involved and that's inside the church and outside the church, people that are just constantly thinking about uh, involving themselves in the work of God, the, you know, because the thing about it is, and there's a balance, you have to be careful. I always say that, you know, God will make sure that you put your family first, but the church is not always as gracious and the church doesn't care. You know, the church uh, will, will try to steal your time away. So there definitely has to be a balance there, but the healthy families that we have seen, 
and the culture that we've tried to cultivate is get involved, get plugged in uh, inside the church house. We have a lot of community things going on. United Church is involved almost in everything in our community. So there's plenty of opportunities to, to get involved, get plugged in, stay connected. Uh, you know, the families I worry about are the families that slide in on Sunday, you know, set in service, they're gone, and we don't see them again until next Sunday. Those are the, the families I kind of worry about, and they seem to not be as healthy as the other one. Um, yeah, and just to speak to that a little bit, um, several years ago, I mean, probably, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15 years ago, um, I went to a conference in Tulsa called a Seeds Conference. It was at a charismatic church, and they don't, you know, believe necessarily like we do. Um, however, the speaker that was speaking that day said something that I'll ne- this was a mega church. I mean, I don't even know how many people they have, but but he said something that um, I'll never forget. And it really kind of changed the way I thought he said our church began to grow um, immensely when we quit worrying so much about the people that we had inside the church. And we shifted our focus to the people that were outside of the church that needed our help. Mm-hmm. And we have sort of, when we took the church in Wagner, um, 12 people voted us in. Um, and so we sort of got to set the culture of our church. And I know a lot of people don't get to do that, but we got to do that from the beginning. And we run now about 2.30 or so, you know, after 19 years. So like I said, slow and steady. But I think that has been really important to Micah um, and me because we have sort of set that culture. Look, it's not about us. Um, and we're going to talk more about that later but it's not about us let's look outside and so yes being being involved and buying into this idea that it's it's not a me-centric church it's about the lost it's about the body it's about you know the people that we need to reach so it's the outward you guys have kind of adopted this like outward model instead of the inward the outward model reach instead of the inward model reach and so I love that that's been kind of your focus of like we're gonna we're gonna reach the lost that's where where our focus is and even even more than than just you know serving in a you know grocery pickup line or you know a, a food pantry or whatever which we do all that like we really focus in on what we call family evangelism so, you know, get the kids involved. Um, you know, if you have the parents are coming, you know, invite somebody over to Bible study, but invite those kids over, get your kids involved as well. And so that's something that we've kind of really focused in on is um, families winning families instead of individuals getting your kids involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. So I'll kind of go into my next question, kind of segue into that is, so what are some of the things that you have done to promote strong families? And you're already kind of mentioning that as like having families reaching families, but what are some of the other things that you've, you've done intentionally to promote strong families in your church? Well, and I might just expound on that a little bit. My, um, we, we teach, um, we, we do some like marriage weekends and family weekends sometimes. And one lesson that we, we have that we teach is called fearless families. And um, one of the points under fearless families is fearless evangelism. And, and Micah kind of spoke to that a little bit, but, um, and I, I think this all kind of started for us. Uh, we were changing the model of our services. We were wanting to not do Sunday morning and then Sunday night. This was several years ago. And, you know, that's a hard thing for churches to change. And, you know, everybody has their own idea, whatever, but we wanted to do all of our church in the morning instead of at night. So one thing that we, we, we told people, we said, listen, let's, since you have this free Sunday evening, 
you know, why don't you take one of those Sunday evenings and invite someone into your home that you um, maybe necessarily, not somebody from the church, somebody from your community, somebody your kids go to school with, somebody, you know, they on a ball team with, whatever, what somebody that you wouldn't necessarily, because Micah and I got to thinking about the last time that we had taken the time to do that. Not because we didn't think it was important, but because we just did not have the, the time, you know? And so it, that's where this kind of started. And when we started doing that, we started having more guests in our church. Now they don't all stay, obviously, but more connections and more guests, people understanding that, yes, these people may walk to the beat of a different drum. Maybe they don't do things the way we do things, but these are just really good, normal people. And so um, that's what Mike is kind of talking about. And so from that, uh, we started um, assigning new families that come to our church to establish families that come to our church. We're very intentional about that. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of have this list uh, not everybody sees it, but we have this list among our leaders of new families who have been coming and, and we tag in, okay, how is your family doing? Um, did you, did you uh, make a contact with them this week? Have you been able to meet them at the park or have you been able to, and that has probably been the vet best um, evangelism tool that we've had in our church. And it starts with families. It's cliche, it's cliche, um, but you know, strong families make strong churches. And we always say that you, you, you will never, you will never do more for your children than help them to win a soul. Because when you're busy being a soul winner, and when your children are busy being soul winners, and, and as a family, you ground them to the truth, like nothing else. You know, there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing someone's life change and and knowing that you are a small part of it. You know, we plant, God gives the increase, of course, but knowing that you were that vessel that God used to, to bring somebody in. And so um, I, I think that's probably our most I don't, effective sure. way. And the other thing, more of a practical sense is, like Pope said, we, we try to make time, you know, and I'm not going to criticize any church on their schedule but you know when you have sunday morning sunday night you know monday's ladies prayer tuesday's men's prayer midweek bible study you know then you know uh, corporate prayer and then youth service on friday and music practice on saturday and church on sunday again like it is cram full and we we also have a, a full schedule but we are also trying to carve out those times to give people that break give them uh time at home i mean we just we found out that we were just running our schedules were way too full. And so I like, try to cut back on some of those things. Stream, I think streamline. Is, mm -hmm. yeah. Take advantage of, of, you know, try to double up on events or, you know, I don't know. It just, I think everybody has to figure out you cannot have a schedule that is cram packed right. and, and have good family time. It's just, it's just impossible. Yeah. That's a really great point. And also I love that you guys mentioned that, just being intentional about having families kind of keep track of families, because one of the things that, you know, we hear in counseling a lot is that healthy relationships heal unhealthy relationships. And if you have this model of this healthy family, these apostolic 
godly people and they are helping to be the example to these people that are coming out from the world, you know, they're being that example, you know, to healing source and, and, and the love of Christ that they're showing. And that is like such a healing thing. And also I love the model of like, you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's like, we have so many things going on, but when is my family time or when is my, even I think to me, my quiet time, like when is just the time just to kind of recharge and rejuvenate and and uh, I'll just say sometimes I, I think somebody mentioned not so long ago, I'm sure we've heard that, you know, we're going to in heaven, we're going to be praising the Lord, you know, all the time. I mean, and we should be praising the Lord all the time. But I'm like, I'm not in my glorified body yet. Mm. You know, <laughs> I'm not in my glorified. When I get to heaven, I will be in my glorified body. And I will praise Jesus 24 seven. But until then, you know, I'm in this body and this body needs rest and needs time rejuvenating with my family. So I appreciate you guys mentioning those things. Those well, are good. And, and, and Lorraine, you know, I think sometimes we forget that family time is godly time. Yes, absolutely. It, it, you know, the family was designed by God, it, you know, in its, in its biblical form, you know, God created that and being with your family is godly time. Now bring me, I'm not saying go to the lake on Sunday morning with your family instead of go to, go to church. You know, I'm not saying that because being in church with your family, of course we know is invaluable, but just being home and, and talking and instilling things in your family, taking the time to do that. Because um, in the day and age that we live on, we equate being busy with being successful. And that's just not the truth. It's just and not it doesn't even always have to be, you know, family prayer or family devotion, just family game night. You know, that can be, you know, a, a ministry and an opportunity for your kids to kind of let their guard down and just and have that connection. Mm-hmm. Like building that safe space with them. Sure, yeah. So that's really good. So I'm going to ask, come in, in my, with my next question. And um, so I wanted to see, so we talked about some of the practical things um, that leadership in the church can do to cultivate uh, a culture to grow healthy families in the church. And so I know that you guys are pastoring and you guys mentioned some of the things that you guys already kind of do. Are there any things that you would kind of you know, tell other people who are maybe starting a church or you have that advantage like you guys have to kind of start from the very beginning and have the opportunity to shape the culture of the church. Um, What things would, advice, I guess, would you give to other people in leadership that are wanting to promote strong families? Well, we we, uh, are very purposeful about involving kids. We live in a football town our, our high school football team has won six of the last 10 state championships, if anybody's keeping count. But um, but they start those kids. Like, if you could drive out to our parks this evening, there'll be kids, like first graders, little little kids with big helmet. And, but they start those kids super early. So by the time they get to high school, they're, they know the plays, they know. And so it's really created this systematic uh, approach to having kids that know what they're doing. And so we kind of taken that approach at, at our, our church. Well, on our Sunday morning main service there, it's not unusual to have a 13 or 14 year old praise singing, playing the ox keys, you know, um, getting involved in the service because we're not just saying take a seat until you're 18 or 19 and then we're going to use you. We want to get these kids involved and get them on the stage, get them um, being used in the presence of God. And so that helps the family as well because the kids are in, in engaged, the parents are engaged. Another thing is we 
um, like our nursery, for instance, we we have a couple families that it was funny because we did a, a young marriage retreat and two of the families talked about they landed at United Church because of our nursery ministry, which is funny because like we put all this emphasis on preaching and teaching and singing. But but what they were saying is that we put an emphasis on that. So we pay nursery workers uh, for our Sunday service. So we put that a priority. We have a sensory room for special needs kids. And so if you come. So what we're trying to do is saying, listen, you can have five Little kids will we'll help you get into the presence of God. You can have a kid with special needs. It's okay. We'll take care of that. We'll try to get you the presence. So we're trying to tear down all these barriers and make everybody feel like no matter if you're a single mom, you're a mom of a special needs kid, you're, you're a, a grandparent, and you're trying to take care of three little kids, we're trying to be the church that accommodates that and helps that and uh, makes that a little easier for those health, those families to be healthy and be in the presence of God. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, one other thing that we're um, very purposeful about is uh, with our volunteers, we try to make sure that we don't work them to death. And I know, you know, especially when we were in, when we were smaller and we didn't have enough people to work um, as volunteers, this was harder, but we still tried to make sure we do it. We try to make sure that everybody only volunteers one service a week. Mm-hmm. So we have, um try to facilitate this idea that it's really important for you to sit with your spouse during a Bible study once a week or sit with your spouse and your kids um, at least once a week and just be fed so you can go home and talk about the message just so you can be fed, Um, you know, because the bottom line is we can work these volunteers to death and they're great and they don't mind and we're so grateful for it, but they're still people and they still tr- struggle. And even I even do that, you know, myself, I try to carve out at least three services um, during the month where I'm just sitting and doing, you know, nothing, just listening, just listen to my husband teach or whoever's teaching, because we feel like that's important. Um, especially so what she, she means is that we do classes on midweek and we do classes on Sunday morning. And then we follow that up with the service. So we don't have the same teachers Wednesday as we do Sunday. And then another thing about hiring our workers is everyone in our service comes to our 11 o'clock Sunday service. We don't want anybody working. We want everybody in there. And so what she was saying, we don't have the same teachers on Sunday as we do Wednesday. So. Right. Right. And that's that's hard. That's a, that's hard to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. We, we're not successful with it every single month. But for the most part, we're we're pretty, pretty good at that. And wanting to have that just in the back of your mind, like, I love that you're like, okay, I need to sit and I need to receive something from God. And if I need to, then that also means like the people that are volunteering or doing something in church, you know, that they're not playing the piano every time or, or not or teaching or, or whatever, trying to just rotate that. But also, I love to something that you mentioned that I just kind of really perked my ears to is the fact that you guys have a a class or or helping out with people who have special needs, the kids with special needs. And that's something that people don't always think about, but what a great opportunity to be able to accommodate those families that have children with special needs. I'm sure that's also nursery, but I I would think in the back of my mind, like, hey, they have a program. I was talking to Sister Nancy Norris not too long ago, and she said I almost went to the church next door because their place was accessible, and they were able to, you know, accommodate my son, Nathaniel, with special needs. And so what a blessing that is to people in your area that um, have children that need that extra help so that they can pay attention and they can just be fed and receive something. So, So that's really great. 
Yeah, our, our church's name is United Church, and we have a couple of ladies that started a, a kind of a spinoff ministry called um, United for a Cause, and they have monthly meetings. They bring in experts to help people with uh, special needs, and they're the ones that kind of push for the sensory room, and it's really been a, been a blessing. We, we've gained several families from from just that mm-hmm. and that what I mean we, we we give them money and we facilitate it but that was something that you know these two families in the church kind of owned and and took ownership in of course I I mean I'm all about it you know being in, in education I understand that we have to be flexible and we have to be willing to learn um, and accommodate all kinds of families because um, you know no family has a completely easy road and some of them are more challenging than others. I think so. that's the other thing is a church has to be flexible that, you know, yeah, we love the the mom, dad, and three kids and everybody's well-behaved and got, they have well-paid jobs and, you know, but the reality is it's, it's not that, you know, you get some of that, but the reality is you have kids that, that have special needs. You have kids that, um, you know, have challenges. You have, Parents have chance, you have grandparents, single parents, all these different things going on. And so I, I want them to feel welcome when they walk into United Church. Oh, I'm not a mom, dad, and three kids, but there's still a place for me. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. But that's one of the things is understanding and redesigning what is a family and tearing down these these paradigms of, you know, what's well, got to be this, this, and this, and this. Well, that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to add to that. Uh, Mike and I were over the family ministries, um, um, Oklahoma family ministries for about, I don't know, 16 years or something. Anyway, um, we, we put on a, uh, we call it a family ministries retreat, but it's basically a marriage retreat. And so we got an email um, one year from a, a lady who says, you know, I know what you're trying to do, but have you ever thought about this? She said, I'm divorced. I have two daughters. She said, I'm a family. Mm-hmm. And but your family ministries retreat is not for me. And that really, you know, sort of kind of got us like, yeah, we got to be careful about how we're wording this and how we're thinking about this. Because yeah, she's very much a family and she's very much trying to raise them in the church. And so, you know, like Micah said, just tear down those walls um, and just bust open the doors and think about everything a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is true too, because when we talk about family, you know, we think about the nuclear family because that is what God created in the beginning. And we do believe very much that, but knowing also that families, like you said, are going to look a little bit different. And, and so, you know, the single mom with the kids that is raising the kids and just cultivating that culture of like, you're a family and you're part of our family, our church family, and uh, being able to minister to them. So those are some really, really great tips. And And I kind of wanted to just mention here at the end, just because I'm kind of thinking about all of these things, but um, how do you know that, what are some of the indicators that you know that your churches are, I'm sorry, your, your families are growing, like the things that you see in them that are just like, okay, I see that this family is becoming the things that they need to be for God, or or there's, there's growth. Cause I'm sure starting a, uh, with a new convert family, you know, you're watching them grow and you're discipling them. And it's different from every, for everybody, but what are some of maybe like the things that you're like, okay, like I can tell there is some definite change. There's some good things. I'm seeing these things in this new family that's come into the church. Um, 
my, my daughter, when she was in the fifth grade, she actually won a family to the Lord. She invited her, um, her classmate to church and this classmate, um, brought her entire family. So their growth has been slow and steady. They have rarely missed a service since they started coming. And that was four years ago, five years ago, four or five years ago. Um, anyway, you know, change has been slow and steady and from an outside view and an outside perspective maybe people who shouldn't be thinking about it anyway were thinking that they're not making changes or they're not growing but one day the dad was at the altar and he was praying and the lord was really touching him and um his wife told me the next day that after that service my husband preached about forgiving people and letting things go and this man who has has lived through so much trauma with his family, as so many people do these days, you know, it's so, so common, but he left that service and he drove two hours and he went and knocked on his dad's door. And he said, you know, he said, I just had to tell him I forgave him and just, you know, be done with it. And so I think, I think there are just things like that where you say, okay, he's, the Lord is moving, the Lord is dealing and, and maybe it's not as quickly as we thought it would happen. And maybe it doesn't look like we thought it was happening, but, but God is working all of this out. And so I think those heart matters and him saying that and, and, and being able to, to understand that this is something I had to change. Um, to me, that is, is, is the growth. That's what you want to see as a pastor. You want to see, okay, they're, they're getting it, you know, they're yeah. getting all of that out. And I think sometimes, you know, we can get the idea of like, well, we want them to change this, this, and this. We want them to look this way, this way. And, and certainly that's part of it. But, but I think in a, in a broader um, sense, and as you bring people in from different backgrounds and have different experiences, I mean, I think the winds are looking a little different than, than what we expect sometimes, even 20 or 30 years ago. And, um, and to see those, families that, hey, dad's not getting angry now. Dad's not, you know, they were on the brink of divorce, but now they're, they're, they're staying together and the kids are doing better in school and the kids are uh, mentally in a, in a better place. And so it's those wins that aren't always external that, you know, doesn't, they don't really make great social media posts, you know, but um, I think they some, should, though. <laughs> but the before and afters that you can't see, you know, a, a change in, in, in mindset, a change in heart, a change in uh, priorities, you know, putting family first, um, just things like that, that, that seems so simple, but it's like, it, it's such a powerful, like we're literally reshaping this family for generations. I mean, the Lord is, and we're helping, but for, for generations to come. And, and to me, that's a win. You know, there's families that are coming in that are breaking generational cycles and they'll never, their kids will never be uh, the, the same. And, and to me, that's the win of the church is helping people be successful. Obviously, you know, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, all the getting to heaven, all that. But in, in, a, in a practical sense, on this side of eternity, making life better for them as far as being uh, better dads, better moms, and, and better family. And, and seeing them be excited about the house of God you know, to me, that's a huge indicator in a strong family. No, we're excited to come. We can't wait to see what is going to happen. You know, when you, um, and, and that's, that's you know, veteran church families too, because you know, sometimes it's the veteran saints who don't get excited about church anymore. And so that is an indication of an unhealthy family. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. If you're not excited to come to the house of God, then this is not a healthy family. Um, 
you're not healthy. Um, seeing them get excited and seeing um, these new families and old families choose the work of the Lord over everything else, right? Over, over work, over school activities, over all of that. To me, that's a sign of a healthy, healthy family, seeing them choose the Lord and put him first, which mm-hmm. is obviously biblical. And it seems very simple, but in today's world, it's a struggle. You know, it's a struggle because not the church, the church um, uh, isn't the only place where things are busy. Life is busy. So our expectations sometimes, I think we have to keep in perspective of, you know, if we get a family off the street and they're unchurched, we're saying, oh, hey, we want you to come here, you know, uh, three or four hours a week. Uh, give us 10 percent of your income. Change the way you look, change the way you act, change the way you talk, change. Who, you know, and it's like, what in the world? I mean, it, it is a life changing right. experience that takes a long time. And right. so I think we need to tap the brakes on our expectations and say, hey, let's let's deal with these families and and let God, you know, we can plant and, and water, but, you know, it's God that gives that increase and in that revelation. So. Absolutely. Well, I love that you kind of were mentioning, too, that this is working with families is about, um, especially those that are coming in from the world and have all of these kinds of things that are going on. This is about breaking generational curses. This is about making their family not go through the things that they went through and just just completely changing the trajectory of their life. And so, you know, like you mentioned, it's not something that we're going to see. You know, sometimes we do, we see things overnight and you're like, praise God. But the reality is that that's not, that's not exactly how it works about discipleship. And uh, I, I think about, you know, discipleship is like, we, we want God just to do the work. I mean, he thinks that only he can do, but do it quickly and do it now. But discipleship is like, it's a process. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, being there in, in his pastors, you, you guys know, holding their hands and just walking with them on this road and as they continue to grow. So those are all really great things. And, and Lorraine, I would add to what you just said, as pastors, it is about holding their hand and walking them. However, we can't do it by ourselves. And that's why it is so, so important to have healthy families come alongside of us and help us because we can't, we, we're not, there's not enough of us and we're not strong enough and we're not smart enough. And, uh, you know, we don't relate with every person. And so having strong families is, is, is invaluable. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really great point too, is that the more kind of healthy families that you have, walking alongside you, that it makes that work so much easier for everybody. So Mm -hmm. I have just enjoyed my time with you and things that I did not know about you guys that I'm just like, wow, that, and you know, it's funny because when I asked you guys to come on and do this, I really felt like you guys would be the people to talk about healthy families in the church. But I didn't know that you guys were, you know, doing so many things in your district and, you know, doing those kind of uh, conferences and kind of things to promote healthy families and all of these other things. So I'm so glad that you have been able to come on. But in closing, is there anything that you want to add just that we have not mentioned to all of our listeners? Any last thing that you want to say? I mean, I think the last thing I would just say is it's hard uh, to be effective in ministry or church when things at home aren't good. Mm-hmm. So we need to work on that first. And, and um, you know, for those that have young kids and that are listening, start while they're young. 
I, I tell you, we have seen some some parents that man, they got it later, but the kids were, you know, already adults and and it's hard to to get them back. And so start when those kids are young, start hammering those uh levels of commitment, dedication, and, and what's important and what we take as priority. And life gets a lot easier. You know, it's biblical, you know, train up a child in the way that they will go, you know. And so we've kind of taken that approach. So if you have young kids, man, st- you know, hammer that home right now because that's going to make life a lot easier in the future. So. Um, I might just say, um, please don't ever be afraid to suggest counseling or therapy to your families. You know, we mentioned it already once, life life these days, nobody has not lived through trauma. You know, we have all gone through things. It's just the world that we live in. So please, please don't ever be afraid to suggest that and get them in contact with professional people who can help them with their, their mind and their thinking. And, and you as a family too, pastors, pastors, wife, leaders, it, it's okay for you to get therapy. You know, it's okay for you to, to get help for things that you need. We're all in this together. Gone are the days when we're ashamed to admit that uh, we may have some problems or issues there. Uh, we just have to get over that. So anyway, yeah. and, and just be patient. Yeah. yeah, be patient. Yes, that's, it's a process. It's a process. But yes, if you need help, uh, I love that. Of course, coming from the counseling field, it's like, we're not alone in this. And I'm so glad that you know, we're breaking away that stigma and understanding like, hey, you know, we all have some things that we could work on. And you know what, there's no shame in that. So that's great. So thank you so much once again, for being on the exchange podcast with me today, Micah and Pebble Wisdom, it has been a pleasure to be with you all. So to everybody that's listening on the exchange podcast, God bless you all. Thanks. Thanks, Lorraine.